Take a deep breath, take the higher road That's what they always say, as if they know the way They won't take it from me But don't ever doubt yourself, it's life ain't just a dream You make your own, so kick and scream The people will like with a never-ending force You never had the chance, so what you waiting for? The day has come, my friend, cause this is war Welcome everyone to the show. Hope everyone is having a great day thus far. We are coming off of the heels of Mother's Day weekend. And I'll be really honest with you and tell you that for me, Mother's Day is typically not a big deal. I I kind of feel like it's a Hallmark holiday, if you will. And I, I'm just not one of those people. I'm not one of those people that does Valentine's Day or sort of any of these other holidays in which I feel like it's a pass for people just to kind of celebrate you on one day. And this year, actually, in my 13th year of being a mom, it was the first year that I actually had some reflection about actual Mother's Day and sort of what that means. And of course, I appreciate my mom, my grandmothers, all of the mothers that I have in my life as far as family members and friends are concerned. My perspective, you know, is is not one that is meant to diminish the importance of this role. It's just sort of the holiday in and of itself, right? Like I don't need brunch and I don't need flowers. I would much rather feel celebrated as a mother every single day and viewed as this, you know, person who was granted the most unbelievable gift from our creator, which is that to be, to be a mom. And I was even fortunate enough to be a you know, to, to carry my own child. I know that motherhood comes in a lot of shapes and a lot of forms, but carrying a child and delivering that baby and then kind of moving on with this motherhood process is the most incredible example of God's perfect design, in my opinion. And this weekend, I took some time sort of for myself, one of my very best friends in the whole wide world. Her husband is absolutely incredible. And he got for her a little weekend staycation. So we spent some time at this lovely resort here in the Phoenix, Scottsdale area, and just sort of took the time to kind of step away from the mom duties, if you will. Now, she and I have very different lives as far as that is concerned. She's a mother of four. She does work and, you know, she takes care of these four incredible humans. My life is very different in the sense that I only have one child and due to the nature of me being divorced, I have my son typically only half the time. So it's a very different 
mothering experience, but so many of the things that we do experience in motherhood and having, you know, teenagers, we both have teenagers. There's such a shared common thread and existence. And what I really sort of reflected on over this weekend in a couple of different ways was first really thinking about the absolute miracle of motherhood and this sort of divine gift that it is from God. And the process from start to finish is just absolutely perfect. It is a perfect design and plan from our creators. You have the opportunity to create new life from a man and a woman, one sperm, one egg. And from that comes a baby, comes human life, comes this incredible gift with all of its unique personality traits and physical characteristics and this blending of this mom and dad and maybe even some of the challenges that come along with this. It is absolutely breathtakingly perfect. And it makes me reflect on terms like an accidental pregnancy or an unplanned pregnancy. Maybe for the mom and the dad, it was unplanned, but it's a plan in, in, in the larger plan, in the plan that we maybe don't know about or have the foreshadowing to see or understand. There's nothing unplanned that happens in our lives. There's nothing accidental that happens in our lives. It is all perfectly calculated. And for the first, maybe the first time, not, well, maybe not the first time, because I do reflect back on having been pregnant. And I also had a miscarriage um, prior to having my son, which again, as hard as that is, and as challenging as that process is, and I think it's something that a lot of women experience and they just don't talk about it. There's a still, maybe this it's a sad situation to have happen, but I do think that there is maybe a sense of guilt or I did something wrong maybe as the mom. But again, there is something in that process that you have to trust and you have to understand as part of the bigger picture that you can't understand in those moments. And even now, what would be, gosh, 15 years later, 14 and a half years later, I still maybe don't understand except for the fact that I now have my son and I know that he is supposed to be mine. I know that without a doubt. He's the coolest kid. He's so rad. He's fun to be with. I literally, I just enjoy, I just enjoy hanging out with him. He's such a cool human. And I really thought about that this weekend. I thought about As mothers, there's often this term that gets thrown around where it's this thankless job. And I thought to myself, like, I don't need to be thanked for this job. 
I need to be eternally grateful that I've been blessed with the opportunity to have this job. I knew from a really young age that I wanted to be a mom. I always thought I would actually have more than one child. And there's a part of me, I think, that would always be like, oh, sure, it'd be fun to have more. I'm definitely not having any more. I think I just had kind of painted this picture in my head of having more than one. But it's something that I always wanted. I didn't necessarily know the when and the how that that would come about. But I don't need to be thanked for it. I don't need to have this sense from my child that he doesn't appreciate me or that he doesn't, you know, thank me at the right times or demonstrate gratitude to me for all of the things that I do for him. There's really nothing else on this planet that I feel more proud to be doing independent of any recognition or a thank you, or maybe even an exchange for a spicy attitude in the morning when I'm just trying to get him out of bed and get ready on time so that we're not late to school. I wouldn't trade any of those spicy moments for anything in the world. And I'm also not one of those moms that looks back at his like baby pictures and is like, oh, just take me back. I want to go back there. No. And it's not because the baby years were hard. I loved the baby years. I loved being pregnant. I loved sort of every step. And that's the thing is I have loved every single step along the way of all the phases, all the milestones the, the new words, the new skills, the growth, the development, even him now at almost six feet, one inches tall, he towers above me. He's everything young man. I wouldn't trade any of that for, for really, for really anything, anything different. And it kind of ties into this you know, frustration. And I've talked about it before on the show about how so many things in our culture are robbing women of those sacred things that we have been given. Like our physical bodies, you separate out anything that you want to talk about emotions or that sort of nurturing manner that that women typically have, you take out any of those characteristics and you just simply look at our physical bodies. They were crafted for this. They were made for this. From, you know, the eggs to the ovulating to the way that our bodies have to adjust while we are pregnant the insides have to shift. They've got to move, move around to literally the birthing process. And so much in our culture right now is robbing women of that, handing it over to people that not only aren't women, but also handing it over to women who think that they were men, but then they still decide to 
what I'm going to call take advantage of those parts and those processes that God endowed them with. Like that's, that's a huge mix up. But on this mother's day, like I really started thinking about how dangerous and detrimental that is for our future generations to not put literally these, these, these women on pedestals for what they are able to accomplish. And now that takes nothing away from the stepmoms or the female figures that step in, the grandparents. I'm, I'm, there's no less nurturing or importance of those roles. If you step into a motherhood figure or you're an adoptive parent, those things are also being robbed of us. It's not just the moms that can physically get pregnant and carry a child and deliver. Everything in our culture is diminishing those beautiful aspects that we have been given as women. And it's also diminishing the fact that the whole design and purpose is for a man and a woman to be in that union and to be together to then turn around and raise the children. It's sad to me. It's really, really, really sad to me to watch that sort of decline and that just erosion of not just the family values, because again, I can't sit here and say that that's the way that it needs to be done as a divorced woman. Like I get that that's completely hypocritical, but I still don't, I'm still not going to turn around and say like, oh, I think my child is potentially better off. No, like if things could have worked between his father and I, like ideally that's what my preference would have been. And I think that if we look at other cultures around the world that have sort of traditional male-female roles in the household and potentially, you know, those, those sort of I guess just traditional values, you know, their divorce rates are lower. Um, They don't tend to have some of the the problem areas that we see in our American culture. But the one thing that I will say, and kind of going back to this weekend and what I reflected on, which was, it was a lovely weekend, but it also challenged me a little bit because I had to, I, I made the choice to miss a couple of my son's basketball games, which I literally, I mean, I never do. I think the last time that I missed one of his basketball games, I was so sick. I really couldn't like knock it out of bed and it was not good for me to be up and going to a basketball game. But I thought to myself, you know, I, I'm going to allow myself to do this. I'm going to allow myself to go and spend some time relaxing and hang out with a couple of other moms and have these incredibly deep conversations and enjoy some laughs and just take some time sort of to myself and gift myself that. And so I did. And then of course, you know, he calls me on a Saturday night and says, Hey mom, you know, I've got, I've got more games tomorrow. Are you going to be there? And I said, yes, of course I'm going to be there. So really, you know, there's no other place that I would rather be on actual mother's day than watching my boy 
on the basketball court, which is where I got to be. But it also came with that sort of like, oh, I had to miss, you know, two of your games, but also allow myself that grace and just say, that's okay. It's okay that I made that choice. He still knows I support him. He still knows that I love him and that I will be there tomorrow to cheer him on and yell like I normally do and videotape, right? And as we were sitting at the pool with me and my two girlfriends, just sort of talking and, you know, laughing and talking about all things in the world and how great my friend's husband is for doing this for her. We, she shared with me a story and it really got me thinking, really got me thinking about who we are as a generation of mothers right now. And her story was this, their old home that they lived in. And here in Arizona, we have, it's very common to have like brick walls in between your homes. So other parts of the country, you might have wooden fences or picket fences, or maybe even chain link fences. But here we have the the brick walls that run across the back of your property and typically down the sides, separating the homes. And in their old neighborhood, the kids would go out and they would climb up onto the wall and they would walk across the across the brick wall. And they're pretty high. I would say they're probably five and a half. I mean, to where you can't see into your neighbor's backyard, right? So maybe five and a half, maybe even six feet tall. And they knew all of their neighbors. No big deal. The neighbors know they have kids, whatever. Well, her oldest child, who's a girl, was walking along the fence and she came up to the neighbors, you know, where, where the fence met the neighbor's yard and the neighbor was out and the neighbor said to her, your mom really lets you walk up on that wall. And she turns to her and in all seriousness, she says, sometimes the worst moms are the best moms. And that is So classic child, right? No holding back, saying what's on your mind, saying what's on your heart, making the adults laugh. They don't get the joke. They don't understand how hysterical a statement like that is. It was just pure honesty from her daughter's perspective. Yeah, sometimes the worst moms are the best moms. And that got me thinking. And hence this show today about the worst moms being the best moms. In my reflection for really the first time about Mother's Day and about the role of being a mother and what it takes and what we should be doing, and especially over the last three years, as we have seen this very, very, very concerted attack on our children from all sides, I am now taking up the position of wanting to be, in society's eyes, the worst mom, because I know that I will actually end up being the best mom. And let me break that down. I can no longer buy into the conformities of society guiding my parenting. 
I can no longer align with the ways of the world in which they tell me this is what you need to be doing. I can't do it. I refuse to do it. I refuse to do it for a significant portion of his life. As you've heard me talk before, we have abstained from vaccines. We abstained from well visits with the pediatrician. We are, you know, I breastfed. I was adamant about that. I made my son's baby food. So from from the beginning of his little life, I already knew I was going to be doing some things differently. However, the last three years made it abundantly clear that if I do not have my claws out as a mama bear at all times, he is going to fall victim. I will not allow that. I will not stand for it. So if society turns and looks at the decisions that I have made as a mom and considers me a worst mom, I know I'm getting that trophy as the best mom. I know it. I am raising a child that is going to be set apart. And that is my ultimate goal. I don't want a child that conforms. I don't want a child that doesn't ask questions. I don't want a child who thinks he just has to sit there and be quiet and not, you know, stand up for himself or stand up for others. I want a child who is a critical thinker, who looks at things through a different lens. I'm not raising a child that needs a a participation trophy. I'm certainly not raising a boy to think that the natural instincts that he has as a young man and that will continue to grow and enhance into manhood that those things are toxic by any means. I am not raising a man that is going to belittle or talk down to women. All of these things that are these sort of either stereotypes that are assigned to boys and men or all of these things in society that are applied to all of our children. I'm just not participating in them. I want to be a worst mom. I really do. Like I want my friends or people that watch my social media or people that I encounter. I want them to be like, Ooh, you let your child do that. I absolutely do. I absolutely do. I let my child experience life. He's not going to be wrapped in a bubble. He's going to be taught how to navigate life, how to navigate relationships, how to have conversations with both his peers and adults. And that's become so incredibly important to me. And I think the beauty of sitting 
the other day at that hotel with these other two moms, the beauty in that and not only just sort of putting your foot down and and knowing that those are non-negotiables for you is being able to have those conversations with other moms and it's empowering when you get, you know, even a small group, even if it's just three women talking together about the things that they are not going to do moving forward and the things that they are going to do moving forward, you've instantly found a support system. You've instantly got this like little group that's like, heck yeah, we're going to do this. We're going to sort of buck all of these trends. And it feels really good. So I'm going to take a short little break. I am going to come back and keep talking about being, being the worst mom and just shed like a little bit more light on, on what that means and some of the more specific examples that I'm going to be sort of, I guess, really like driving home with my son in these next, you know, few years of his, of his adolescence. So come back and join me for the second half of the show. I am Nurse Beth. You are listening to Nurses Out Loud here on America Out Loud Talk Radio. It's time and this is We know you love the versatility and portability of the Genesis Fogger, but sometimes you just want to set it and forget it. Well, we heard you. Introducing the UX4 HOCL Atomizer. This stationary unit quietly protects you and is perfect for smaller spaces. With over a quarter million units sold in Japan, it's now available in the United States. Visit genesisfogger.com forward slash out loud to see the UX4 in action and receive a 15% discount on either Fogger with promo code OUTLOUD. With Genesis, you're ready for anything. Millions of Americans are needlessly suffering from the long-haul effects of the toxic spike protein. Dr. Peter McCullough and his team at The Wellness Company designed their spike support formula to counteract harmful spike protein from COVID-19 and vaccines so you can feel your best. Go to OutLoudCare.com today and use code OUTLOUD for 25% off your first order. Maintaining a strong immune system has never been more critical. Nutrition company Healthy Cell created Immune Super Boost to help you strengthen your immunity. Unlike other supplements that don't work, Immune Super Boost is not a pill. It's a gel you swallow with ultra absorption of science-backed nutrients proven to support immunity, like vitamin C, D3, zinc, elderberry, and echinacea. Go to HealthyCell.com and use limited time code OUTLOUD for 25% off your first order. Risk-free, love it, or your money back, guaranteed. HealthyCell.com, code out loud. We are fighting the ultimate fight between good and evil. AmericaOutloud.com replaces groupthink with innovative think. Well, it was Walt Whitman, the poet, who said, keep your face always toward the sunshine and shadows will fall behind you. America Out Loud Talk Radio, the liberty and justice for all. Whether you're an independent, a Democrat, or a Republican, one thing remains true. Airborne viruses love us equally. 
You've all heard Malcolm and the great Dr. Peter McCullough talk about the advanced nasal solution Cofix RX. Cofix is made in the USA and recommended by thousands of doctors and pharmacists nationwide. Did you know that doctors and nurses have been swabbing their noses with povidone iodine to protect from airborne threats like colds, flus, and pandemic era strains for decades? Cofix RX took that idea and made a more complete nasal formula with lasting cleansing effects. Maybe you're traveling soon or going to an event. Are you concerned somebody nearby might be sick? Maybe the office or classroom stresses you out. Get yourself a bottle of Cofix RX nasal solution. Spray goodbye to colds and flus with a Cofix RX nasal solution cleanse. That's cofixrx.com. Save 20% by using promo code OUTLOUD at cofixrx.com. It's time and this is Welcome back to the show. If you are just tuning in, I was reflecting back on Mother's Day weekend that we just had and kind of talking about like all of the joys of motherhood, but this sort of miraculous thing that is motherhood, whether that be, you know, you became pregnant, carried that baby, birthed that baby, nursed that baby whether you are an adoptive parent, whether you are a step-parent, whether you're a grandparent that stepped in to, to raise more kids that you didn't know you were going to be raising, it is the ultimate, ultimate gift from God to be able to be a mother. And I told a little anecdotal story in the first half about my, uh, my friend's daughter saying this phrase, Sometimes the worst moms are the best moms. And I love that so much. I just love it so much. I don't want to be this sort of helicopter mom. I don't want to have this relationship with my son where he thinks I'm always skeptical of him or that I'm questioning his decisions. I want to give him enough enough rope that he feels like he has some freedom, but that he also has safety and security. And I want him to have a very, very clear understanding that there are very few people in his life that truly want what's best for him. And that might sound skeptical and that might sound sort of glass half empty, but what it does for me is it makes sure that he knows who the people are in his life that he should be relying on and why. I've had to break it to him. I don't really think a lot of your teachers inherently, sure, they want you to do good. They want you to get good grades. They want you to be a good kid in their class. It's not the same investment in him as a human that he gets from me or his father or our incredibly close friends. It's not the same. Sure. Are they a trusted adult? I guess. But that actual deep down investment is not the same. I want my son to understand boundaries, but I also, I also want him to understand that he 
he has the opportunity to make choices for himself. And that based off of the foundation that his father and I have laid for him, we want him to make the decisions that we trust he's going to make. He's going to make those, those good choices, we hope. And he also has to understand that there's going to be consequences if he makes the wrong choice. We were actually at the grocery store the other day, and I really love this. And I think that this is an example of the, the power that we have on a day-to-day basis, whether we're making these decisions consciously or subconsciously, it does cause a ripple effect. And we were at the grocery store I picked him up from school and that's pretty typical. I pick him up on Mondays and then we hit the grocery store so that he can pick out what he wants for his lunches for the rest of the school week. And he was telling me this story about how he was in his speech and debate class and he was debating his teacher on NASA. Now, first of all, I love this so much already because again, I have taught Isaac to literally question everything. And if something doesn't make sense, you should be asking questions about it. Cause again, I'm the worst mom, right? I'm not telling him, no, just believe, well, they're teaching you that. So that's the truth. No, 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 no. That is not the household. That's not our existence. So he was literally debating his teacher about NASA because they watched this video in class. And at the bottom of the video, it said something, you know, something along the lines of these are like animated images, or it it basically just disclosed that the video was not actual footage, right? So he asks his teacher about it. And the teacher was stumped, like dumbfounded, like, well, what does that even mean? And so they got into like this little back and forth about it. Well, we're standing in Safeway in the yogurt section. And I'm listening to him, right? So the cart's kind of sitting there and he's turned towards me and we are making full face-to-face, full eye contact, which I think if you can picture a 13-year-old who's very, very tall and, and his mom, you know, standing in a public space, having this intense sort of eye-locking, you know, conversation about him giving his teacher pushback, I was just enthralled. I was so intently watching him and hearing what he had to say and taking it all in. And I was excited that he had sort of tested those boundaries a little bit. And so we were just having this really engaged sort of back and forth dialogue. And we stood there for probably, oh gosh, I don't know, maybe four or five minutes, truly. Like this is how long the story was that he was telling me. And of course I'm asking little questions along the way. This woman came up and she tapped me on the shoulder and I turned around and my first instinct was that hopefully she was going to agree with me and agree with him about the conversation about NASA. That was like, my hope is that she'd overheard us and been like, oh yeah, I totally agree. But that wasn't her comment. She tapped me on the shoulder and I turned around and she's like, I hate to interrupt. She said, but I just want to tell you you don't see this anymore. You don't see a parent and a child stop what they're doing and just have a conversation. 
And a part of me was really taken aback. I think number one, it takes a lot for somebody to go out of their way to compliment someone else, which that was a compliment, especially women. But I was also, I guess, shocked that someone noticed that because I also think that we're in a society where a lot goes unnoticed. So I kind of collected myself and I I looked at her and I said, oh, thank you. Thank you so much. And Isaac chimed in and said, thank you. And then she looked at me again and said, no, this is really, really lovely to see. She said, don't, don't stop this. And she was maybe a few years older than me. I would say maybe she's like mid forties, but you know, we're, we're, we're peers, um, in, in my eyes. And I really just took that as this nugget of that caused a little ripple effect. Maybe somebody else saw it. Maybe someone saw the joy that was happening between this parent and this child in this very raw and real exchange happening. And it was so special. That was like such a great, like motherhood little moment. And I think all things considered, it was such a beautiful example of, again, some of the things that I'm working really diligently to instill in my son is that the crux of that conversation was about, he knew that I was going to be proud of him for giving his teacher a little pushback. And I was, and I know that that's why he stopped to tell me this story in as much detail as he could provide. He knew that because I told him that I have instilled in him. You don't just have to take everything at face value. You can politely and respectfully question your teachers. You can ask for more information. You can ask for clarifying information. We have also in our sort of existence of of parenting and in, in mothering, I think we've gotten to this place where the world is so scary that we sort of go into overprotection mode and we feel this need to keep our kids so incredibly safe that that safety is inhibiting them from having real world experiences and real world exposures that they are undoubtedly going to have to face on their own, independent of us as parents. Whether that be starting off by wiping off the grocery cart handle with a bleach wipe or a sanitizer wipe as you walk in, like one of the most insane things that I see people do all the time. You you literally traded natural bacterias and natural exposure things on that grocery cart handle in exchange for the chemicals that are in that wipe. Which would you prefer? I know which one I prefer. So whether it's this sort of germ bubble or this hand sanitizer bubble or this 
I can't let my kids get dirty or play in the dirt bubble all the way to this opposite end spectrum of this safety bubble of, well, my kid's not getting any playing time on whatever sport they're doing. So I'm going to move them off of this team and put them somewhere else. I don't like how that coach talked to my child. So we're not going to do this anymore. It's sort of infuriating sometimes to watch that we aren't equipping our kids with the ability to endure real life adversity, real life situations in which they're going to get their feelings hurt. They're going to get physically hurt. We can't save them from all of those exposures. And in the big scheme of things, I don't want to. I don't want to save my son from those things. Now, sure. Is it my preference that those things don't happen to him? Of course. Is it realistic to think that they never will? No. So in my worst mom approach, I, you know, society tells us, oh, well, if, if there's another kid on the basketball team talking trash to your son, you should probably intervene. No, no, I'm not intervening. My son can handle it. He can take care of it. He is equipped. I want him sticking up for himself. I want him advocating for himself. I want him to come up with some really good one-liners to put those kids in their places, actually, that I might even help him with. I might even help him with those. But we've sort of swung this pendulum as a result of the world being so scary. And I think home dynamics and inundation with social media and expectations of keeping up with, you know, this kid and that family and what's on TV and all of these other external pressures that we've swung, we have become overprotective, overbearing, and these sort of the sort of the saviors of our children. That's just not how I'm going to be. I can't. I can't be like that. And not because it's hard for me. It's because I know ultimately my son will not benefit if I'm like that as a mom. He's not going to grow. He's not going to advance. He's not going to understand how to face challenging situations. It'll stifle him. It'll stunt his kind of life abilities and adaptations, if you will. I don't want to do that. And additionally, in my worst mom ways, mind you, sometimes the worst moms are the best moms, which ultimately leads me to being a best mom. I am going to continue to make sure that if there is a risk for my child that I personally can mitigate. So 
while I just talked about being overprotective in one scenario, I'm going to transition that and say, yes, I'm going to be overprotective in another scenario, which is to keep everyone as far away from him as possible that think that they know what's better for him than I do. This includes the medical system. This includes the education system, although reluctantly he still is in public school, although I'm very involved in looking at his homework, the books that he reads, meetings with principals if need be. I don't want him to become a product of those systems that I inherently do not believe are for his benefit. I just don't think they are. I don't think having a kid go to the pediatrician for the pediatrician to tell me that he's well is necessary. Yeah, I know he's well. I'm his mom. I look at him every stinking day. I know he's well. I knew he was well when he was a baby. I have instincts. God gave me those instincts. It's like sending him to public school. It's problematic for me emotionally. (laughs) I borderline hate it. But that's the challenging dynamics of a co-parenting situation. I've gotten... I've gotten a lot of things my way, I would say. Public school is not one that his father is willing to give up on. So I'm, you know, acquiescing to a certain degree, yet staying very involved and on top of things. I don't think the public school system is designed to benefit our children. It's designed to benefit the system the outside system. It's designed to model the behaviors that you're ultimately going to have that are going to lead to a potential life of monotony and routine and, you know, a lack of creativity, a lack of exploration. I'm just working diligently to point those things out to him, to have open dialogue with him about, you know, this, this is this side, this is the side that kind of wants you in there. And and here's why they want you entrenched in these systems versus the other side of what it looks like to not be entrenched in those systems. How does that look? How does that feel? What's that going to be like for your future? I recently had a conversation with a new coworker to which we sort of got started on the topic of, you know, the last few years and COVID and everything. And I just looked at him and I said, yeah, you know, I just chose not to participate in COVID. And he looked at me and kind of shook his head, like in agreement. And I was like, yeah, I was that mom that, you know, my kid never wore a mask to school. And in society's eyes, I'm sure I was the worst mom. But this worst mom knew that that was not only a 
stupid intervention with absolutely no basis for existing. But I knew not only was it not beneficial, but it could have potential consequences. I'm not going to do that. I'm not going to participate. I don't care about not getting invited to mom's happy hour. I don't care. That felt so good to to say that out loud, to tell someone and to not care at all the potential response that I was going to get. I don't care. I made the best choice for my son in that situation, even if every single parent at that school looked at me like I had two heads and that I was the worst mom. Oh, well. It's sort of the whole, like, I told you so thing. Like, I've never said it. I've never said I told you so after COVID. And after all of the things that folks like me were saying, like, ooh, you might not want to do this, might not want to do that, might not, might not, might not. And then everything that sort of like we had said or were talking about or suggested are now like all coming to fruition. I never said that. But it's the same way with parenting. Same way. And especially with being a mother, there is something so beautifully unique about being a mother. I'm also going to teach my child that only women can be mothers. I'm not shying away from teaching him that he does not have to coddle to people's feelings because they feel a certain way. I am educating him that he does not have to participate in people's mental illnesses or delusions in which they think that saying somebody can chest feed or that you are a birthing person is appropriate or natural or even a thing because it's not, not a thing. Moms have an enormous responsibility. It's a hard job. I think being a dad is a hard job too. And this show is nothing to take away from the dads. The dads get their day also. And I don't know what it's like to be a dad. I only know what it's like to be a mom. I only know what it's like to have carried a baby and lost a baby. I only know what it's like to have carried a baby and birthed that baby and birth to that baby the way that I wanted to birth that baby. Again, I didn't fall victim to the system. I only know what that's like. And from my perspective and the perspectives that I get to share with incredible women that I surround myself with, who are also mothers, there are so many common threads and ties that bind. And it is an absolute... It's the ultimate blessing. It's the ultimate gift from God to be able to 
have this isolated independent experience, but then also have this shared experience. And I know that there are a lot of other women like me who understand that sometimes the worst moms are the best moms. We know what's best for our children. We know what to do. We trust our instincts. We don't need large corporate systems dictating to us the what's, the when's, the how's of raising our children. And we certainly will be continuing to instill in our children that they themselves do not have to cave to the pressures of all of those societal things that, that dictate really to them what they have to do, how they have to be. Sort of this falling in line mentality. There are a lot of us out there. There are. Sometimes it probably feels lonely and I get it. And I'm sure sometimes our kids feel lonely too. To sort of think, oh my gosh, why do I have to have this mom? Why do I have to have this mom that's so, I don't know, just in her ways. I think my son would probably, you know, speak to that and just be like, oh, that's just my mom. That's my mom. But I do know that he knows what my intentions are and that I will not settle for anything less than raising an incredible human being. And then that incredible human being gets to go out and hopefully get married one day and have a family and raise his own incredible human being. And look back and reflect on the fact that his mom maybe pushed the envelope a little bit, maybe did things not like, the, uh, not like a lot of the other moms, not like a majority of the other moms. But ultimately, it helps contribute to his growth, his development, and, and where he goes in life and knows that everything that I do is to ensure that, is to prevent him from going down a wrong path, a path of conformity, a path of just getting in to fit in, and a path in which he stands out in all of the right ways. I want that for him. And I want that for all of the kids that have been blessed with moms that take that stance, that put their foot down, that sharpen those claws, and sometimes take the hard path on behalf of their kiddos. And sometimes be the worst mom.
okay. Because ultimately we're the best moms. With that, that is all the time I have for today, friends. But remember, we are here on the air five days a week, Monday through Friday at 10 a.m. Eastern with a different nurse host daily. Please be sure to tune in and listen to myself and my amazing sister nurses. As we walk you through all of these hot topics, we will empower you with information and education. We will advocate and we will stand in the gap for you because we are nurses and this is what we do. I'm your host, Nurse Beth, and you can find me here every Tuesday morning at 10 a.m. Eastern with an encore at 11 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. Be sure to make AmericaOutloud.com your daily stop for all the latest news and happenings. We all must do our part and share the stories, the articles, the podcasts, and videos so that we can help secure America's future. Until next time, be safe, be well, and God bless. Join us weekdays with a different nurse host daily where no topic is off limits as we shine our lights and expose the darkness. It's time.